joining us on Blitz Radio. It's always been my dream. I'm finally, <laughs> the last item on my bucket list has been ticked off. So thank you very much for having me. Exactly. It's, you know, it's why you came to Australia, I imagine. It's slightly intimidating. I'm um, in my hotel room at the moment in Melbourne doing the Melbourne Festival, but they're cleaning the windows. Oh. So there's a dude just directly outside the window staring <laughs> at me as I'm doing this. But I think he's concentrating on the window. But it does also look like, I don't know, maybe if, if I was a spy, a spy <laughs> agent would operate trying some, to overhear some what espionage I'm is going to on. Blitz radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I might tell you a lot of secrets now. Mm. Well, so you're in Melbourne and you're coming to Sydney for your new show? If you insist. All right then, I will. Give <laughs> me a gig. And it's called uh, Big Time. So, what, is, cool. what does the name of the show mean? How's the show? What's in the show? What can we expect from you? <laughs> well, you know, I started working on this show kind of last August, maybe. And, you know, I want to write a silly, fun show. I've been on tour around America with the Flight of the Concords. Oh, and wow. I was like, yeah, I'm going to write funny songs and it's going to be so stupid. <laughs> but then, suddenly, Western fascism started to rise. <laughs> so, I, it's a difficult period where I've been trying to balance those mm. two divergent uh, goals of a really silly show, but then one also that uh, smashes fascism. Wow. So is th- how, what does that entail then? How, how, do, you, how do you blend uh, biting anti-fascist <laughs> political comedy with fun songs? I think I might have painted myself into a corner here slightly. <laughs> But let's just say I do my best. Yeah. I do my best to fix everything that's wrong in the world uh, at the moment. And that's all a person can do their best, even if that involves not really fixing it at all. (laughs) Well, in terms of your time in Australia, what have you seen needs fixing in Australia? Well, I mean, it does seem that uh, having... I come from Ireland, where there was Mm. the world's largest sudden recession in the history of a Western economy uh, in 2008. And that was preempted by houses being approximately two-thirds more expensive than they should be. Ah, Ringing any bells. Yeah, it seems to be something uh, familiar. Sort of a dysfunctional political system that doesn't really seem to represent what people want, but just the interests of large organizations. Ringing any bells. Mm. So... I've noticed a few things that are uh, similar to home anyway that I will attempt to fix uh, when I perform at the Enmore in Sydney next week. (laughs) Yes. Um, Anything more sort of like trivial, just little things that bug you about Australia that you want to fix? Oh, I'm being too serious for Blitz. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Um, uh, uh, It's very hard to think of an argument for... um, against uber in that mm. i i think it's the same in sydney in melbourne i had to give the taxi driver the legit taxi driver like it's happened about three times my phone and just gone we are going there yeah like i might as well have got out and actually just driven it yeah. as well <laughs> and then paid myself the money when we yeah. got there so i'm angry about uh global capitalism, mm. I'm angry about systems of government, but also I'm angry about Australian taxi drivers. It's a big agenda this year. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been coming to Australia for now? It, it seems to have been a while. I 
came here. I, I, maybe um, I say I've been doing gigs in Sydney for seven or eight years, something mm. like that. Uh, started, did a gig in the Comedy Store, then did Metro, oh, yeah. uh, and then yeah. So this is the this is the biggest. Uh, th- this is two nights in the in the Enmore, mm. which is that's the big time element of it, really. Yeah. But it's also because of all of Ireland's terrible recessions. Uh, a lot of my friends live in Sydney, so it's kind of a homecoming. Oh, <laughs> it's nice. Homecoming to my <laughs> disaffected, dispossessed friends. So yeah, that'll be fun. How how has it changed for you? You know, you've been a bit of more of an outsider. If your friends live here, they might have a bit of a different view. How have you seen Sydney change in the past eight years? Well, uh, the the pubs are all shit now. <laughs> that would be a problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nightlife, the soul of the city has been ripped out. But apart from that, I really like hanging out in Glebe. I've always, Mm. Glebe Books is my favourite bookshop because I write children's books as well. And I always end up in old Glebe Books Mm -hmm. and then uh, walking around. um, What's that that shopping centre right beside us? Broadway. Australia's greatest food course in it. Broadway. It just got renovated, so get excited to come to Sydney. Yeah, it's it's one of my top five. I like Red Leaf the Beach, and I like the Broadway. I mean, the I should have thought of more, you know, <laughs> profound things that I really like about Sydney than a no, weird it's, beach it's, that's it's probably eighty percent diesel, <laughs> and then the Broadway shopping centre food court. But they are my favourite things. Screw yeah. you, eyebrows. Get ready for a big surprise because it's all renovated and it looks really fancy now. Whoa! Yeah. And then once. I saw um, two elephants boning in Taronga Zoo, <laughs> and that w- that's the other thing I always think of with Sydney because it's like it really is a uh, it's not a sexy operation when <laughs> elephants do it. <laughs> oh gosh! Um, so you mentioned that you write children's books, and I noticed you were uh, doing. We're not going to sell many after me having just mentioned that I saw elephants boning in Taronga <laughs> Zoo, and that has haunted me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, you know, like, it, <laughs> capitalism, hey? You never know. Um, but, you know, um, you've also been doing events while you're in Melbourne for for children at school holidays here and um, kids seem to love your book. Um, and how do, you, oh, yeah. how do you find it performing for adults versus performing for children? Well, if, anyone, if anyone has a cool bookshop with a good kids section, I'll go and read in it. Any of your uh, varied listeners, mm-hmm. uh, email me and I'll do it because I'm in Sydney for a few days. Uh, and yeah, it's really fun doing uh, kids gigs. It's like they just shout at you all the time from the moment you go on and they tell you this is boring and they ask uh, their mothers if they can go home if it's really boring. So I, I do enjoy that, trying to keep the attention of uh, like five to ten-year-olds. But, uh, yeah, I think the problem is, and this is a deeper problem in my comedy career, I don't think my sense of humor, but I think this is the truth with most people. It hasn't really changed since I was, I would say, eight. You know, like mm. a lot of the stuff, a lot of the comedy stuff that I was into then, I still really, really like, yeah. you know? A lot of old comedy, like Forty Towers and Blackadder and shows yeah. like that. That's what I was watching when I was that age. So I suspect your sense of humor arrives quite early in your life. Mm. and doesn't really... Ch- I mean, I'd watch more complicated films now, but as regards 
things that I find funny, people falling over and farting and things like that. Mm. That's still the absolute gold. Yeah. And will are kids better hecklers then than adults? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's no uh, filter whatsoever. Yeah. So people will really open up to you on how uncomfortable the chair they're sitting on <laughs> is, or uh, how the show needs to get better soon, or that it uh, they've been disappointed with the start of the show so far. I mean, what's nice about those kids books is that so I've written this series of kids books called Dangers Everywhere. And to come to Australia and then have kids come dressed as the characters from the books oh. is that's kind of it's cute overload, but it's also mind blowing that uh, yeah it's a, it's it's a strange one because those books are written uh, by it's sort of a man who's uh, very concerned about uh, danger being yes. he's kind of a man who lives in in Dublin. He don't really know where he lives, but he lives somewhere very boring. Mm. And he's obsessed with like sharks coming up out of the loo <laughs> and uh, snakes posing as toothbrushes and things like that. Yeah. But these are actual day-to-day things that happen in Australia. Yeah, they, someone, uh, there was a shark attack you, yesterday, actually. Yes, exactly. Numerous times you've probably been taking a plop and a shark has come up out <laughs> of the loo and tried to take you from below. So I was worried these books wouldn't resonate here. But I think whereas they're ridiculous at home because the most dangerous animal in Ireland is the badger, here Mm. people see them as a useful day-to-day guidebook for getting through life on this um, incredibly dangerous continental landmass. As well as performing, is writing different for you for kids or adults or is it all just the it comes from sort of a similar place or just what you find I'd love to say it was completely different. I'd love to say that... Some days I dress in slightly brighter clothes and <laughs> write for kids. But no, it's all the, it's kind of the exact same, really. You know, uh, in the, there isn't a lot of crossover. I, I, there definitely have been jokes in the past that I've done in kids' shows and grown-ups' shows. I mean, there, I, I do definitely keep them separate because mm. there's rude words and adult yeah. things in the grown-up shows. <laughs> but as regards sitting down to write it, nah, they're all just uh, ideas you have. Mm. while doing other things, you know, like while cycling or uh, brushing your hair or whatever. You know, they're, they're yeah. all just uh, stupid ideas. I mean, your show's called Big Time, but will you ever top being 1990 under-14s triple jump bronze medalist? The only way would be I was a, if the gold and silver were done for drugs. You know, that's happening a oh, lot now. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then I would be retrospectively given one of the higher... <laughs> But I don't think there were drug tests in 1990, especially the in the 14s, <laughs> triple jump, East Leicester division. So the chances of that happening now are unlikely. Mm. No, I, although this interview has come close to it, nothing <laughs> will ever top my teenage triple jumping success. <laughs> um, we've, we've got to talk about it. Grand Designs, the best show on oh, earth. Y- oh, yeah. What a show. What a sweet, sweet show. Do you ever feel a bit depressed in the world? Mm. And then there's certain things you can do to cheer yourself up. I always always like playing the piano. Mm -hmm. I always like listening to certain songs. But then Grand Designs is just one of those. It's just Kevin. Kevin, who hosts the UK Grand Designs, Mm -hmm. not the the crappy Australian Kevin. No, we've all denounced that. Kevin just brings this sort of calmness to everything mm-hmm. and uh, and then I watched one episode recently and he's in the south of France yeah. uh, and there are a couple building a house there 
and then they need to buy slates, so they go to the slate place, mm. and it turns out Kevin can speak French. Oh, and then that's they nice. go to Spain <laughs> to get uh, floor tiles, and then it turns out Kevin can speak Spanish, and then they go to Italy to get marble, and like Kevin can speak Italian oh as well. Oh my god. You just he's the kind of person you just want like to to come by and just say like you're doing okay cuz you'd believe him. No. Imagine if there was a sort of Siri but called Kevin oh, and it was Kevin and you could just ask it like serious questions about your life. Yeah. It would it would just give you a very balanced and reasonable response. Cuz it's just that way that like he does the wrap up at the end and just does the you know it was an ambitious you know, even, project even but it came together it, in the end. Even, even when he thinks you're tacky dickheads and you've ruined yeah. a perfectly nice Georgianette, he'll still <laughs> find some positive. He'll celebrate that it's good that we're not all the same or whatever. And you're like, wow, wish I, wish I could be more like Kevin. Mm. But it is really enjoyable, though, when he just has full-on beef with some of the people building the houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And then the fact that it can take years sometimes. That's what I, that's what I really love about mm. it. Kevin's got a whole new vibe, you know, yeah. by, the, by the end of the four-year process. Yeah. He's lost a little <laughs> bit more hair or whatever, and you're like, that's life. Kevin is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting... Um, <laughs> just get to see the passage of time through Kevin McLeod. <laughs> how, what, what, how, how big a cardigan is he wearing this time? He he um he has a leather jacket that he wears mm. uh, sometimes that I you definitely see uh, moving through the eras yes. and sometimes he goes for sort of eighties comedian Seinfeld look where <laughs> he's got like a suit jacket with a t shirt under it with the sleeves rolled up yes. which is a a look I see I dressed as Kevin for Halloween a few years ago oh, and that nice. was the, that was the look that I went for I know but no one really got it because it's such to, a like yeah. every man outfit it would be hard. I had to have a badge that said Grand Design on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, well, what's your favourite episode of Grand Designs? Can you have a favourite? Um, I mean, I don't want to get too bleak here. There's the one where the husband dies. Uh, that's an amazing one. Oh, over yes. Time. Is uh, that the water tower one, house? There's one where the Irish economy collapses in oh. the middle of it. And it's a dude who's trying to renovate a castle in the middle of a forest in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And his idea is, like, pretty tacky. It's all, like, shields and four-poster beds. Mm. And But then you just sort of notice they keep cutting to shops or just to streets with boarded-up shops in them. And so you sense that the uh, country is undergoing a great change. (laughs) And at the end, he's sort of, he's about quarter of the way through. They sort of leave it after three or four years. But you can tell he's doing his best, and he says he's broke now. And you notice that at the start, he arrived in, like, a BMW, and then at the end, he's in a tiny Ford Fiesta from (laughs) 1990. I sort of like that one, because, you you know, you sense the world around the grand design Mm, itself. It's a bit more real, you know? So real. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's that's what I like about it, because the show is escapism, Mm. but it's also like, oh, shit, we've run out of money. Yeah. No... (laughs) We've no money left for the roof. Can I have to live in the caravan? Can I ask, this is the thing that annoys my parents the most about Grand Designs. Why don't yeah. people in Britain build the roof first or put a tarp <laughs> over the roof? <laughs> Knowing that well, you, you got... live in the UK and it's going to rain. Yeah, yeah. 
and then they just I, leave the roof exposed. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's those. I think it might be to do with the fact that roofers are quite hard to get, okay. and roofers traditionally need walls to mm, roof on. That's true. So, <laughs> y- y- you know, I think if your walls overrun a bit, yeah, you then you then lose your little window for the roofers then. Mm. But uh, yes, it does seem to be a very, very common problem. And then the windows, you know, the, oh, the windows are, are, are another build problem. build something that's well. ridiculously tall and then, or they'll have the tiniest driveway. And there's always like the tense thing of like, we have to get this four-ton truck up this like, you know, <laughs> steep driveway that's just dirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Australian one in it just inherently doesn't have that tension yeah. because they're not living on a commune in Wales whereby yeah. using hay bale walls where if they don't get the roof on before the rain and the snow comes, yeah. the house will basically <laughs> just return back to the earth again. It's like if it rains, oh, I guess it rained. That would be it for Australian <laughs> grand designs. Or like snow, what a miracle, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure that the grand designs in Australia could really hit it off in the same way. I'm impressed how you've really studied it as a show. Oh, I've watched a lot of grand designs. Come up with these <laughs> theories. Yeah, so I wrote lyrics to the theme music of it. But then the funny thing about that is the man, I music, I'm basically playing the melody of grand designs. Mm. So I've done it on TV a few times. Yes. And so the guy who wrote the music earns sweet cash every time I do that song. Oh, Copyright, which is totally fair enough, but uh, I'm definitely supporting Grand Designs by doing that song. Well, that gives you a bit of peace of mind, doesn't it? You know, (laughs) (laughs) giving something back to the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I saw on Twitter that you're in a, you seem to be in a prank war with Sam Simmons, Australian comedian. Yeah, I escalated it last night. So he, um, he. He's been doing something small every night. Mm-hmm. Started off, he just he took all the money out of my wallet, which I leave in the dressing room while I'm on stage, yeah. and put it in water bottles around my <laughs> dressing room, and put like, like put the lid back on them. Full water bottles. And uh, then, so I got his clothes and made them into a very realistic dead body line <laughs> on his floor. He then gaffer taped my wallet to the ceiling, and <laughs> so I went full balls out there and uh, tweeted at Victoria Police uh, to report it as a crime. Yeah. And they were funny. Their social media person said that I needed to contact the long arm of the law to get it down. Ah, very good. Yeah, which is very good. And since then, I mean, something small every night. He hit a Bluetooth speaker in my dressing room. So when I'm just relaxing after the gig, he puts on like Enya super loud. Uh, <laughs> he was hiding in the bathroom like for ages one day yeah. and then starts whispering Satan. He was <laughs> lying, uh, just pleasuring himself on the floor of the dressing room. You know, there's been something quite innovative every night. Wow. So then last night I, um, I uh, like taped money to the inside of all of his clothes which, <laughs> and his shoes. And his undies, he left his undies there. So I kind of, <laughs> I really covered them with money, which cost me quite a lot. Oh, you know, so it wasn't his I'm money. Like, it was from your I'm never going to get that money back, <laughs> but I feel it is worth it. But he's just told me he has something huge planned. There's only a few nights left in Ooh. Melbourne, and one of these nights 
something big is going to go down. So I'm uh, slightly nervous about that. We'll have to keep an eye on your on your Twitter then. Yes. Yeah. I will, oh, I will. I'll be sharing it with the world for sure. Yeah. Well, do you have any preemptive counters planned? Um. I yeah. Uh, I was doing one of those commercial radio stations yesterday. No disrespect to Blitz, my all-time fave. But <laughs> you know one of those weird Australian morning shows where it's yeah. like a Dazzer guy, and Wazza, a girl, like and uh, an ex-AFL player, yeah. which is basically all radio in Australia. Yeah. And so I was there to the AFL man, what would you do? And he just came in too strong because he's like, oh, back in the day, and it was just like, we'd hold a, a player down and spray deep heat on his balls. And I was just like, it's, that was not the vibe. That is not the vibe. We'd steal his car and put it in a lake. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. This is a very lame prank war. We need su- a subtle prank here. It's, yeah, there's a difference between, like, inconveniencing someone in a funny way and just yeah, kind of ruining their day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'd hold him down and give him a tattoo of tits on his face. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. That is not what I'm looking for. So if any of the Blitz listeners have any ideas, please tweet mm, we me. Could, yeah, we and could I know, get them to tweet at I know you. I'm going to be overwhelmed with... Uh, what do you call uh, Blitz listeners? What's the uh, Blitz... Blitz... Blitzens, maybe, from <laughs> w- one of uh, Santa's reindeer. Yeah, we haven't really got, yeah. a, got a moniker for that, no. Blitzens is okay. good. Um, Blittery agents, blittery now. <laughs> yeah, we could get them because I mean pranks are like the big, the big thing at the moment. You, you know, on on YouTube, it's all about pranks and prank wars. Ellen loves yeah, but, her pranks, but this is a lame prank war. That's the thing. But lame These are pranks super are gentle pranks. pranks. You know, no one is waxing off anyone's eyebrows as they're asleep. <laughs> this is. The, the the lower end of the prank craziness. I think we need a return to the to the lower prank. Some of the pranks, I think it's just the general YouTube, like we need to do something better than the last person did. We need something that will be popular and the it YouTube just escalates just too much. an escalation of everything ever. Yeah. Soon you're, you know, invading North Korea. <laughs> you just got to do it for the views, you know. <laughs> um, in... Your wonderful song, your life song, you mentioned oh, yes. that yep. someone sets your bike on fire in Dublin. Was that actually, yeah. did that actually happen? Yeah, I have a very uh, deep link with uh, bicycles. I used yes. to work in a bike shop. I'm obsessed with bikes. I currently own eight bikes. If I wow. have three drinks at a house party, I just suddenly start fixing any bikes that are in that <laughs> house. And so uh, I did a charity gig this a couple of years ago. And afterwards, yeah, I thought it was steam rising from something in the ground, maybe. Mm. And no, it was uh, someone had set my bike. Someone had poured petrol on a bike, and they just ran. It was it was what we call mindless violence. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tried to fix up that bike again, but <laughs> the problem was it had so many singed parts. Whenever yeah. your trousers would touch up it, you would it would uh, look like you know, that you have been come down a chimney. Yeah, right. Is that the most bizarre thing that's happened to you? Because that seems like it would stand out in your life that someone went out and set your bike on fire for no reason. Uh, in in crime terms, I think, yeah, that is the... Uh, I mean, 
I don't. You couldn't even imagine that's a plan. You couldn't imagine yeah. anyone's like, "Here's what we're going to do tonight, everyone. We're going to." They don't even burn very well. They're mostly steel. Yeah, <laughs> like that. I think the tires, anything like the tires and the handle bars, like anything on the handlebars in the seat. But like, yeah. But I would sooner light if you know if I'm a serious arsonist, mm. I will go for. For example, a wooden park bench, yeah. or even better than that, a tree, something or a like bin. that. People like setting fires to bins or so, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was a robot or something that was trying to eat the bike, you know <laughs> what I mean? And then the uh, chomping action of the teeth on the on the top tube caused sparks, and then that's how it happened. <laughs> we'll never know, I'm going to say. It's too long ago now. You can, yeah, we can only imagine. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting on Blitz. I, yeah, I understand it was a was a dream of yours. So now it's a dream come true. Nothing left now. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of anything? Just gonna gonna drink myself to sleep now for the rest of the day. But I will come to Sydney uh, and do two shows on. I think it's the twenty seventh and the 29th, something yes, like that. Yes, I will be there on but, the twenty seventh. I'm very excited. Uh, I promise it'll be good. And uh, yeah, because it's like. It's it's a it's a weird one where I I've just done this big long run uh, of it, so I'm kind of goosing around. It's at the point now where uh, I know what the good bits are, and then there's fun bits to mess around on any given night. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited for it. Fantastic. Well, uh, best of luck with the rest of your Melbourne run, and we're really looking forward to having you in Sydney. Thanks, thanks, Betsy. <laughs> thanks, David. <laughs>